This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What will your decision be? So I want you guys just to think, what will your decision be? So we're talking about making a decision. And life has lots of moments like that. Uh, some of you may have had one in the last seven days. Uh, it could have certainly been from the start of the year or some other moment where you had to make a decision and you knew that the decision you made, it, it was going to shape everything to follow. Uh, and it really doesn't matter what it is, uh, but you have had that moment at some point in your life uh, regardless of age, you make a decision and a whole lot where that, the trajectory of what happens next is going to build on that moment. So I want you to turn with me, uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. So we're thinking about trajectory and making decisions. So Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 15. As we go here, these words uh, are words as Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. And I'll share the text with you, but we're going to be there in Deuteronomy for a little bit. Uh, we set there Deuteronomy 30, 15. Moses shared this with the people. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Now, I don't know if you really look just at this verse kind of as it sits there, but you've got Moses telling the people, it's decision time. <laughs> you've got one path and you've got another path. <laughs> he says, they're right there uh, and they're clean and ready for you to see. Now, sometimes in life, decisions are, are lighthearted. How many of you have played the game of sorry? All right, for, for those who've not, uh, you kind of get your little tokens ar around the board, uh, and if someone happens to, like, bump into your guy before he gets into the safe place, uh, you look at the person and you say, sorry, and hopefully you do it somewhat nice and not, like, condescendingly, but we've all played the game, and it quickly, you know, descends into condescending sorry, and then they have to go back. Uh, but that's a simple decision, meaning, do I put my person in my safe zone so he can't be knocked back, or do I bring another pawn out who might be knocked away? Uh, or, you know, it's the question of Candyland. You know? How much is the deck shuffled or not? Like, you know, did, did someone plan and saw the card? Do you call them out that you know that they know that the ice cream float's coming up next? For those who don't know, ice cream floats kind of the assured victory card if you get it early on. Uh, these are lighthearted decisions. But Moses isn't talking sorry in Candyland. Moses says, I set before you today life and good, death and evil. Now I'm going to read, uh, I'm not going to display it, but those of you who have your Bibles open, you can kind of follow along. I'm going to read verse 16 and following. Uh, if you don't have it, just listen in and you'll hear what continues. It's the straightforward question of obeying or disobeying. Here we go, Deuteronomy 30, verse 16. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to take possession of. Obeying. Verse 17 and 18 take us the other path. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today, you shall surely perish. See, verse 15 gave us life and good, death and evil. See, the conversation is simple. As Moses speaks, he says, you can either 
listen, learn, and live, or you can deny, disobey, and die. That's it. That's the path. So to those who turn away from God that don't get it right, uh, it tells you very clearly in scriptures again and again and again. I want you to listen. God says, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. And if you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Uh, God is indeed waiting. But Moses' theme that he develops says he'll actually call forward witnesses. Now, I know our nation's had the last couple of months where you've learned more about witnesses and calling them or different things than you probably ever wanted to. But we're not talking about those witnesses. (laughs) We're talking about different witnesses. Uh, And these are witnesses that should trouble you a whole lot more. Uh, As Moses talks about calling forward witnesses against people who aren't listening to God. Here we go, verse 19 and 20, still in Deuteronomy 30. Speaking of the witnesses that Moses said, I could call these against you. I call heaven and earth. Now you can think of lots of things that have been putting on a witness stand, but imagine someone calling heaven and earth against you. This is no small thing to call. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. See, that's the, therefore, choose life. That you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. That you may dwell in the land the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. To give to them. Choose life. Strong words. God lays it out and says, choose life. The crazy thing about God's clear declaration to choose life is there are lots of people in this world who've decided to do what? (laughs) Yeah, they actually select death. I know it's kind of this awkward morning pause as we gather this day. That's the very clear picture of what Scripture is really presenting. This day, I present to you life and good, death and evil. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, the weird part is, as you look at this, someone here is going, now, Pastor, this sounds like decision theology. Not some of you are like, I have no idea what that means. I've never heard of that. But it kind of sounds like you're suggesting, Pastor, that if I make the right decisions, I can make God do what I want Him so I get the good stuff. So what I wanted to do is take this Deuteronomy 30 text, as we think about God's promises foretold and promises fulfilled, is unpack it and show you when you got a question like this going, it seems like choose life is mine to make. We have to ask, is it time for Mike Merker, meaning me, those who don't know my full name, to pull off all my stuff and dust off, did I get everything right? So I can choose that I chose life, or is there something else that's happening in the text? I mean, do I have to dust off and and prove, God, Mike Merker deserves this because I did all the good stuff. I chose the right path. Some of you are thinking back to the path when we talked earlier that you chose, and you're going, no, 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 please don't make it about me. (laughs) Because the path I was thinking of, Pastor, in, in my mind was not one that I really want to have to relive. But it did shape a season of my life. So what do we do? When we have questions like this, what we do is we go to other places in Scripture that are more clear to help illuminate what's happening here. So we've got a question before us. Choose life. Does that mean it's up to me to do all of the work? So we're going to move from the Moses' sermon, which is Deuteronomy 30. You've got Moses preaching to the people, and I'm going to take you first to St. Paul. 
And as we go to St. Paul, he's addressing the church in Corinth in chapter 3. It was our second reading this morning. So if you want, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're headed. Uh, If you just want to listen along, that's fine as well. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul opens by talking about the people being spiritual infants. Uh, And he uses the the illustration of a newborn child and talking about what is it that we're feeding a newborn child. Uh, Like you do not have a newborn child and hand them like a T-bone. Well, you can, but they'd kind of be like, They'd probably like throw it against the wall or drop it. I mean, certainly eating it. They might teeth on it. Uh, but outside of that, there's not much else that's going to happen uh, with a T-bone. Or I guess if it's really hot, they could burn their fingers. So another reason not to give a newborn uh, a T-bone. But as we move forward, we actually then get this text that draws out. 1 Corinthians 3, 4-7. to He talked about divisions. That is, Paul was writing, there are some challenges happening inside the church. And they raise this question. One who says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? So some said, hey, you know, this was my teacher. I I had this one. I had Paul. I had Apollos. I went to the right place. I went to St. Mark's. I went to St. John's. I went to Timothy. I went to the Church of God. I went to all these different different paths. And Paul writes and goes, so is it about where you started? He continues Servants through whom you believe. So he's talking about, hey, so maybe a church, a person, a pastor. Is it all set there? Those were all servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Paul then goes, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now we're just going to kind of say it together so we're all in this together. Just repeat with me. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now, the text goes on further following God gave the growth, and it shares these words with us. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, you're still sitting there with Deuteronomy 30 in your mind, kind of wondering, do I make the decision? (laughs) It wasn't Apollos. It wasn't Paul. God does the growing. God gets all the credit. So if God gets all the credit, we get our first little dink or kink in the armor that it's me choosing this life. It turns out someone may actually be involved in it, but who's doing all the growing and who gets all the credit? God. And this is just our first stop on the journey. Our first stop on the journey to point out God's actually got things going forward. Now, as we move forward, what's interesting is he who plants and he who waters, uh, they're not the key, but God is. But boy, he uses Apollos (laughs) and he uses Paul. Now, there's a couple Pauls in here. I don't know. I mean, we could have a guest in here whose name is Apollos, but I'm going to go on an assumption and say it's not the most common name today, that we don't have an Apollos in our midst. But my point is this. It's humbling that God uses people, and he uses you and I today. And some of us get worried going, well, I don't know if I'm going to do the right thing or if I'm going to say the right word or if I'm I'm going to get it out. And I I don't have as much background, certainly, as you have, Pastor, because you are so learned. Which is funny, we say that about pastors until they ask us to do something we don't like, and then the pastor is what? Not very learned and doesn't have as much experience. Uh, But when it comes to like, you know, oh, well, pastor, certainly you would would know these things. Now, I'm not saying that like that you have to, I have no goal this week that I'm asking any of you to do something. You're like, he's setting up that we must say yes to something. No, I'm just sharing with you, we never need to allow ourselves to become higher than God. See, Apollos is there, Paul is there, and Paul doesn't say no to either. He just says Make sure you realize who's the servant and who's the Lord, who's the master and who is the student. Jesus has himself out in front. Now, in this humbling piece, 
as our congregation walks through this journey, as we think about what we hope to be the next 12 to 18 months, uh, and I bring it up often in preaching the last few weeks, because this idea of us moving from here uh, to land that we've purchased and, and building uh, is either going to help us, <laughs> or it's going to do really funky things to us. Uh, and when I say funky things, I mean that we'll start going, finally we're a, anyone know this? Yeah, see, finally we're a church. Whoa, 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 whoa. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we're right there in the same text. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. See, the New Testament tells you Jordan Lutheran Church already has a building. Some of you are like, well, then we could save a lot of money. I, I, I get it. The unique thing is to remember what we are actually building is a place for temples of the Holy Spirit to gather and sing and praise. We are building an air-conditioned space in which assembled people who all are a building that God has made might gather and comfortably be able to pray, praise, and give thanks. Don't think for a minute that Jordan Lutheran Church doesn't have a building. Jordan Lutheran Church does not own its own air-conditioned space in which we might pray, praise, and give thanks and do things in a more full way outside of the hours of 7 a.m. to noon at 1441 Beaver Creek Commons Drive. For those who don't know, that's this location and our rental agreement. And you're like, what? So there's great reason why we're doing it. But let the scripture remind you, you and I are the building. God lets you be the Apollos and the Paul in your family, in your cul-de-sac, on your street, in your apartment, in your condominium, in your townhome, in your subdivision, at your office, in how you act, in how you speak. You are the field. How many of you are familiar with Keenan Memorial Stadium? Anybody? Did you know that Keenan Memorial Stadium means nothing without people? You ever think about that? It means absolutely nothing. Cameron Indoor. Some of you are big fans of Cameron. Some of you really not big fans of Cameron. I know, that's what's interesting about, you know, stadiums here. But Cameron means nothing without people. The Kennedy Center means nothing without an orchestra, or actors, or a play, or something else happening in it. You have no Kennedy Center honors if nothing happens in the Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center is just an open space. No church facility is anything to be great if there's not actually what happening in it. The building of God, God's people, the very temple, the bodies gathered and assembling and praising and preaching. Because the church is where God's word is preached and the sacraments are rightly administered. That's what actually makes things move forward. So if we look then at Deuteronomy 30 and ask, is it our decision? We would look at Paul, and we already get this picture. No, no, no. It's not ours. It's God who's doing all the work. And then we move, and I take you to Matthew 5. Now, we've walked the last couple of weeks through this Sermon on the Mount. And here we get to these really difficult texts where some of you, even as, as we're reading uh, through Matthew 5, you're like, oh, man, this sermon's going to hit me square in the eyes. Pastor's got so much ammo. Man, Jesus unloads on us as society. Because he takes things that we heard in the Old Testament and said, here's the law, but then he goes, but if you had the intent in your heart. God moves it forward and says, it's not just about did you or did you not, it's did you even think it. And we find ourselves all laid to the ground. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now that's Matthew 5 to 7. Now I want to take you to another place. I'm not going to share it. I just want to, I'm going to read the text, but not display it for you. It's Luke 10. Luke 10, 25 to 28. Uh, it's when a lawyer 
comes forward to Jesus and asks this question. He says, what would it take for me to inherit eternal life? Some of you remember that text. Jesus responds and says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, do this and you will live. So I present Matthew 5 as the second piece to our response of his choose life mind to do. Paul says it's all God's growth, but then Jesus suggests, uh, hey, you've got all this stuff in Matthew 5. You just got to do this. And then in, in Luke 10, as he's still unpacking, the, what does it take to do it? He goes, you know what? If you can follow every single thing in the entire Bible and live up to it and do it, guess what? If you can do that, you will, you will live. If you want to actually do every single thing in God's word and follow it to a T and not miss one time, you will live. See, sometimes we, we forget that unique thing about the Bible. There are two ways to actually get to heaven. Some of you are like, whoa, what are you doing, pastor? This is weird. One, live a perfect life. Two, know that Christ has lived for you. The tough part is that living a perfect life, the Bible tells us again and again and again we can't do that because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But even Jesus presents and goes, yeah, what, what do you do to earn eternal life? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. If you do that, do it and you'll live. <laughs> Jesus then we'll unpack in the rest of his teaching to remind us again and again through Paul and others. If you want to go that route, you will surely die. Deuteronomy 30 takes us right back to the front. You get a path and Moses says you can either do this. So what's the do this? Some of you are going, so what's the decision? What's the do this? The do this is acknowledge that God has actually been there for you always. And he has always waited for you to acknowledge and assent that he has done more for you than you can ever ever do for him. Choosing life is recognizing that we cling to the fulfilled promises of God. Choosing life is recognizing that God will restore all creation. Choosing life is realizing the perfect sacrifice has already been made on the cross. The choice was already made by God when he sent Jesus for you and for me. Choosing life is our ascent to the completed actions of God. Sometimes we need to get off our high horse and think that it was all about us. And remember, we actually stand on the shoulders of Christ himself. We stand on the giant who has gone before us, our God who has set us up on the pedestal so that we might, with all the saints who have gone before us, stand before the throne of our Lord and say, praise be to you, God. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the Alpha, who is the Omega, who is the beginning and the end. Today, those promises continue to come forward to us as we share in the Lord's table, as God reminds us that he has chosen you. So when you hear the question of whether you have to choose life, know first and foremost, God has already chosen you in Christ so that all might have life in his name. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.